You've got a real attitude problem, McFly. You're a slacker. You remind me of your father when he went here. He was a slacker, too. Oh, This is the Brad Gilmore Show. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, they're gonna see some serious shit. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? 1.21 gigawatts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Future, the podcast, the only podcast looking back in time at the greatest film trilogy of all time, Back to the Future. I'm Brad Gilmore, and I'm joined by my friend in time. Actually, I'm, what is it, uh... Uh, Brad Dog Buford Gilmore, Buford. And, and I'm Brad joined. Dog, yes, <laughs> and I'm joined by my friend in time, DJ Normie Norm from Rockefeller Park, Norman Bidford. Norman, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Brad. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. I can't complain. You know what I mean? I can't complain at all. While we're here at the top of the show, we're going to be continuing our discussion about the evolution and the ever-changing DeLorean time machine throughout the trilogy of the movies. But before we move on, I do want to say one quick thing. I want to give a shout-out uh, to a couple of guys. I'm trying to pull up their names now. I know one of them, Scott. I remember his name easy because that's my brother's name. Hold on here. And speaking of my brother, I do I, I do have something to discuss Back to the Future related with my brother as well. Look at that. Hold on. Let me pull this up. Here we go. So, uh, oh, great. Didn't have their names on there. Nick Nick Jimenez and Scott Corelli. I want to shout out Nick Jimenez and Scott Corelli. They are the hosts of Back to the Future Minute, a daily podcast that analyzes the Back to the Future trilogy one minute at a time. They already did Back to the Future Part 1. They're going into their second season covering Back to the Future Part 2. They're only a few episodes in, probably about a dozen or more in by this time, by the time you're hearing this. And uh, they, do, they do a great job. I don't understand how they do it where they do a daily podcast uh, about a half hour each day breaking down one minute of the Back to the Future trilogy at a time. Norm, have you, have you heard this podcast yet? I have not heard this podcast. It just kind of popped up on my radar last week when I was doing some some work on our Podbean website, and I fully intend to give it a listen. But if they, if they're going minute by minute and a half hour, approximately a minute, boy, I've got some listening to do. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to go uh, quadruple speed to consume all that content on your on your podcast app. There, I mean, there's a lot of lot of content there. So yeah, Nick Jimenez, Scott Corelli, Back to the Future Minute. I've suggested doing a crossover episode with them. So uh, guys, if y'all are listening to this, pinheads, if you're listening to this and you want to see that happen, please tweet them at BTTF Minute on Twitter and tweet us at BTTF the Podcast uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, let's see if we can't get that going. I, I'd like to do some more collaboration on this show. That's what uh, makes podcasting fun is uh, working with other people. No, that, that would be great to uh, figure out some way that we could all have a nice chat some evening and record it for posterity. 
That <laughs> there you go. Now the thing is, is I'm waiting on my brother. I have a brother who lives in Northern California. His name is Rusty. It's a very old school name, I understand, but his name is Rusty. And Rusty and I were talking the other day, and he said that he has a photo of him sitting in the original time machine that was used on the movie in 1985. So this picture was from 1985. I'm waiting on him to send it to me because I'm very excited to see him sitting in a car, Back to the Future, that was in L.A. or something in 1985 where he was there as well. So I'm excited. Once I get that, I'm going to tweet it out on my Twitter at Brad Gilmore for all the pinheads to see the original car back in the 80s, and you can see a Gilmore behind the wheel. I'm excited. Yeah, don't leave us hanging, Rusty. The It has been teased now. We must deliver. Rusty, you better come through, Russ. All right, Dr. Russell, you better come through. So uh, anyway, we're going to continue our discussion here on the evolution of the DeLorean. Norm, last time we left off, we were talking about the DeLorean flying into the screen and straight into the sequel. So have we already covered every every edition of Back to the Future Part 2 that was made to the DeLorean? Um, well, yeah, transition, transitioning from one to two. Yes. And, uh, although I, I would like to, uh, retract my statement from, uh, last episode where I said, perhaps the DeLorean changes more than any other character because, uh, clearly George McFly changes a little bit more as does, oh, geez, I can't even think of Marty's girlfriend's name right now. How Jennifer, Jennifer. Yes, thank you. Claudia Wells, the better one. By the way, I just want everyone to know that. It's not Elizabeth Shue. It's Claudia Wells all day. And she was on this podcast in season one. You should go check it out. Archives. But, uh, yeah, there were a lot of changes in the second movie. You're right about that. So, yeah, we we lost Crispin. We lost Claudia. And one, one for good reason, one for not. So we'll we'll just leave it at that. But... Yes, uh, the DeLorean has obviously changed a lot from the part one to the end of part one, beginning of part two. And interestingly enough, it really doesn't go through a lot of physical transformations during Back to the Future part two. Uh, Doc and Marty do pick up a couple interesting pieces of swag that kind of kind of get thrown in the back seat of the DeLorean, which everybody knows is just kind of a thing. I've had I've had a beach towel in the back seat of my car for oh probably two years. I don't remember what I put it in there for. I could bring it inside with me and throw it in the wash, but it's just easier to leave it in the back of the car. And who knows? Maybe someday that towel will come in handy. I but, actually uh, happen to have I sorry I didn't mean to interrupt, but I actually have a yoga mat in the back seat of my Ford F one fifty, clipped for the big red truck, and the yoga mat does not belong to me. And I'm not certain who it belongs to, but it's been in my truck for months. <laughs> I'm just saying. It happens. You don't understand. I don't know where this stuff comes from. It just appears. And, you know, I don't know why we're so lazy to not remove these things either, Norm. I don't understand. Well, you never know when you're going to need a, need a towel. Or someone else's yoga know. mat. <laughs> yeah, true. I mean, a lot of stuff can be done. Uh, so obviously, whoa, the, whoa, uh, whoa! This is a family show, Norm. Jeez, way to make way to make way to make a suggestive uh, a suggestive language suggestive language. What? If this if you were a TV show, I'd say TVMA right now. I can't believe what, you. What, 
What did I say that was suggestive? Did you I say, just, So I'm there are a lot so of things you can do with a yoga mat. Mm-hmm. I understand. I understand where you're coming from, DJ Normie Norm. You're still thinking about Claudia Wells and Elizabeth Shue. I understand. Think about Jennifer Parker. I'm with you, though. I, I understand. I get it. It's okay. We'll put explicit tag on this which, episode. Which, for the record, I was mostly just talking about yoga. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the mind, takes, <laughs> the mind takes us where it will, I guess. You know. That, that's true. Down, down dog, Brad. That's all I need to say. So Marty and Doc have picked up a couple interesting pieces of equipment in the DeLorean. Obviously, the what is the most famous and iconic would be the, the pink Mattel hoverboard that Marty wisely uh, keeps because the little girl doesn't want back because she got herself uh, a Griff Tannen pedigreed pit bull. And so she's thrilled to death. So Marty wisely takes that hoverboard and throws it in the DeLorean. And so, as again, spoilers, we'll be seeing it again. You know, uh, and also, uh, real quick, I, I just, this just came to me. Why didn't they call the, the Griff, uh, the Griff Tannen hoverboard, why didn't they call it a mad dog instead of a pit bull? They should have called uh, it a mad dog. That would be, <laughs> that actually would be kind of cool. They should have done that. So shame, shame, writer's room. You left that one on the table. Yeah. What else did they get, though? What else did they have in their vehicle? Well, it, also in the vehicle, um, they pick up, not at this point. Yeah, no, it is this point. Uh, when uh, beloved old Biff, who we'll be talking about in much more detail in a later episode this season, he breaks his cane whenever he shanghais the DeLorean and leaves the, the, the brass fist cane head in the DeLorean, which then Doc and Marty discover and realize what has happened. Although, we'll say that was a, a bit of a stretch that they saw Biff's cane head and they're like, oh, so that's exactly what happened and we'll have to figure out how to fix now. A little bit of a stretch. Well, but hey, hey, hey Doc, fun- Doc invented time travel. I think he's a smart guy. Eh, fair, fair point. And again, we're 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 just going to let that one go. It's a fun movie. We're all we're all here to have fun and enjoy Back to the Future. And interestingly enough, something that they don't pick up on the inside of the DeLorean, but on the outside of the DeLorean, whenever Doc is kind of taking off towards the climax of the movie, is that rope with the multicolored flags from the billboard that uh, gets caught. I'm not sure what part of the car it gets caught on, but it definitely snags that along and. Then they're pulling a good, I want to say like 10 to 15 feet of that flag rope along for the ride, which then becomes important because Marty uses it when they're getting the uh, sports almanac back. And also the, the flags drop into Marty's arms at the end of the movie when something big happens, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So, Brad, can you think of anything else? That they kind of pick up along the way and, you know, chuck in the backseat of the DeLorean for future use? I'm thinking here off the top of my head. Um, did we mention here, – here's something that they did bring, uh, an artifact from the future uh, to, <clears throat> to 1985. And that was a fax that uh, Jennifer Parker got at the, at the McFly household in Hilldale. She did bring a fax back. Does that count? Yeah, I think so. And uh, does Doc's money case show up in uh, part two? 
I think uh, that's uh yeah, that's toward the end of part two. So that's when they go back to eighty, uh, not the alternate nineteen eighty five, and then back to nineteen fifty five. Yes. So Doc has his money case, just to have a cash that he can spend no matter what point in time he is, which begs the question again: Why didn't he just pay? Uh, Mad Dog for the thrown shoe so he wouldn't be under the threat of being shot in the back. I know it's the point, and you know, Doc. We're going to get to it. We're going to get to that. It's a matter of principle, okay? Matter $80 as well. Now, um, I'm trying to think. Now, do, now, here's another thing, though. Let me, let me ask you this. Where do the walkie-talkies end up? Does Doc end up with one when he gets sent back to 1885 and Marty end up with one? What's the walkie-talkie situation? Because don't they – memory might serve me incorrectly, but don't they use them? In, they use them in the third movie. Yeah, they do, in the train scene. So where did the, where did the uh, walkie-talkies go? Did they both stay in the uh, – they didn't both stay. So, yeah, it went one and one because Doc was on the I, walkie-talkie when he got struck by lightning and Marty still had one. Oh, right? yes, that's right. Yeah. He definitely did still have one because that, that's how they were communicating. So you I guess Marty when I get uh, struck was, by lightning, and he was yelling it in the uh, walkie-talkie. Yes, yeah. which uh, un- unfortunately, Doc did get struck by lightning. And he jinxed and him. He jinxed him. Marty's so that, a jinx. He's a jinx. He says things. The other thing happens. He's like Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will, up until the last second. So, so he does get struck by lightning, and it activates the time circuits, and the the DeLorean spins out of control and leaves a. A fiery, I forget if it was a 99 or a 66 in the sky, which I thought, you know, they, again, they could have made that an 88 just to be a nudge, nudge, wink, yes. wink to the audience. So that was another one they left on the table. Shame, shame, finger wag to you, writer's room. But uh, Doc is spirited to the past with the DeLorean, and Back to the Future Part 2 ends as we know it with uh, the Western Union Telegraph and Marty going to revisit. 1955 Doc, who has just sent Marty 1 back to 1985, and now Marty 2 is here once again asking for Doc's help. Yes, that is that is how it ends up. Now, um, the, the the here's here's actually one of my favorite things about the um, the third movie, which is what we're discussing this season, Back to the Future, the podcast, uh, season three. Um, which, by the way, the artwork, I got to say, for this season is pretty badass. If you see it on iTunes, you see it on Podbean, wherever you see it, I think it's pretty sweet. It looks like an old 1885 photograph, and I think it's pretty cool. But anyway, uh, one of my favorite things and one of my favorite looks of the DeLorean was when they're in 1955. They find the letter from Doc telling them where the time machine is, is buried in some cave, and it's 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 – remain undisturbed for however long, 70, 80 years, and they go inside it, and it's just sitting there all wrapped up, the tires are wrapped up, it looks like this ancient, you know, hidden treasure, you know, like an Indiana Jones movie, or or a, a, a treasure you might find in Legends of the Hidden Temple, which is an amazing Nickelodeon game show from back in the day, or something like that, that might be... The, my second favorite look of the DeLorean is that just that snapshot right there of it in the cave with the uh, with the inscription saying ELB right there, like like a journey to the center of the earth. Now, what, 
Am I misremembering, or was the DeLorean up on blocks at that point because the it tires was on had dry rotted off? Yeah, I think it, I think it might have been on block. It was on something. It was it was it was it looked like it was elevated a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm. Well, obviously the tires were dry rotted, but the DeLorean, you know, they retrieve it from that cave, and Doc has thoughtfully left instructions on how to rebuild the fried time circuits using only parts available in 1955, which leads us to my personal favorite version of the DeLorean, the 1955 Back to the Future 3 DeLorean that has those big clunky, about the size of a shipping pallet time circuits that are just strapped onto the hood of the DeLorean with canvas straps, and it has those those gorgeous white-wheeled walls and the half-moon hubcaps. That, that, my friend, is my favorite DeLorean. It's a good one. I, I can't argue with you. That It's a real good one. Um, the white wall tires are just awesome. They really are. That's my favorite part, is the, is the white wall tires. Um, that that version of DeLorean is pretty sweet. I, I, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with you now. It's like with anything in this movie. When I try to say my favorite of one thing, I end up debating with myself back and forth like two and three times trying to figure out which one's my favorite. And I think if you ask me what's my favorite DeLorean or what's my favorite movie in the trilogy, it's just going to change depending on the day. Because right now I'm thinking about Back to the Future 3, and I'm thinking that's my favorite one. But then when I think of Back to the Future 1, I like that one. Or 2, I like that one. And it's the same with the DeLorean. It just depends on the day which one I like the most. Now, there, there's, there's a lot to like there. It's, it's, it's just like parents who say, you know, you, you don't love any one of your kids any more than the other. And th- there's just good movies and so much good to talk about. We, we could easily talk ourselves in and out of a, a ranking list of any part of this movie on any given day. Oh, yeah, most definitely, most definitely. And um, now here's the thing. Some things happen, and I'm looking over our show notes here. Some things happen to the DeLorean throughout this movie, a lot of things. Um, but I, I, I honestly, I, I want to save a lot of these for the, uh, for the finale because a lot of these things, are, I think, are key story points that we should cover when we get there. Um, but there are, some, there are a couple things that we need to, we need to talk about here. Uh, toward the latter part of the notes here. Um, and we just started discussing it. What's our favorite DeLorean setup in the trilogy? I still got I still. I'm still saying number one. The first one is still the best. And Norm, you're going with the, the westernized version in 1955. That's correct? Yes, which, which will never fly again at that point. Unfortunately, it'll, it'll never fly again. It flew? Yeah, we had a, a hover conversion done in the early <laughs> 21st century. Remarkable. You know what my favorite line, though, from that scene is, or from one of the scenes, I think it's right after that? He was like, uh, oh, that, here's, why this, here's why this thing uh, failed. It says made in Japan. <laughs> what are you talking about, Doc? All, all, the, all the best stuff is made in Japan. <sighs> you know, he has this thing like, what? <laughs> Didn't we just bomb them like a decade ago? Um, yeah, pr- product... Uh, <laughs> Insensitive, Brad. I get I get called on the mat for a yoga mat comment. Well, I'm just saying what that's a Doc internal thought. It's not my internal thought. That's what Doc was okay. thinking. Okay, red card retracted. All right, thank you. I'll take yours away too. But uh, you have a question on here, which I think is which is a great question. Is it possible to trace the location of various iterations of the DeLorean throughout the trilogy? Do you think it's possible? 
Maybe maybe for somebody else, but uh, <laughs> now I I think that's one of those things that uh, there there's just paradoxes built in, and the the more you look at it, the the like I said that that is a path where madness lies, and I had the the, the great fortune to meet Cassine Gaines, uh, author of We Don't Need Roads, at uh, RetroCon last year, and I. Talked to him for maybe like 10 or 15 minutes just about Back to the Future. And we were going back and forth about, you know, the paradox of the car and where it is at any given time. And why did old Biff bring the car back and and all things like this. And he said when he interviewed Bob Gale and he kind of presented him with this list of questions about, you know, trying to get an explanation of why the car was where at any certain point in time in the movie. And he was asking specifically about Biff bringing the car back to 2015 after visiting 1955, and Bob Gale's very succinct answer was, well, the car just had to get back there. <laughs> so I, I, I think it, it, we try to dig any deeper than the car just needed to get back there, and they needed a car in the cave, or, hey, guess what? Marty's stuck somewhere where he doesn't belong. Movie over, roll credits. <laughs> So, so I, I guess there are people out there that could kind of sit down and start flowcharting all this and draw diagrams and argue vehemently about DeLorean 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 1.5, uh, but uh, that's not something that this podcast host is particularly interested in. We have to go back and talk. I got to get Cassine Gaines back on the show, and the three of us need to discuss old Biff and a lot of the things that you and him talked about at RetroCon, because uh, another bullet point we have here is old Biff must be one smart fella to know how to operate the time machine with no instruction. It's a question that I would love to talk to Cassine about, and I know he said, well, you know, Bob Gale has this kind of like, it just had to happen answer, but I would love to hypothesize on why why and how and when, and then the disappearance of old Biff and that cut scene, which uh, we all agree, or you and I agree, was an awful scene to cut because it, it, it told so much story in, in about three seconds. Um, we got to yeah, talk about that. That was a real tragedy cutting that scene. Oh, I mean, it was awful. I mean, it I, was awful. I, you, you could argue that up until that point in the trilogy, probably the. Most the greatest moment of pathos that the trilogy had seen up until that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean that. Yeah, that was an on-screen character death, and they took it away from us. They yes, t- they, those those they bastards took it away from us. I'm starting to sound like the Smarks. Um, so l- let's let's wrap this up, uh, Norm. Any any closing thoughts on the DeLorean? Uh, just. You know, it's and it was something that you talked to. I can't, I can't think of the gentleman's name off the top of my head. The, the guy who's running the DeLorean uh, company these Stephen days, Stephen Wynn. Stephen Wynn. Thank you. That it just is one of the most iconic, arguably on any given day, most iconic movie cars ever created for the screen. And at one point in the kind of post-trilogy existence, the, the poor DeLorean that was used on screen was relegated to a back lot in Universal Studios. Uh, no security, no protection. It was just out there exposed to the weather and vandalism. And over, over the course of a couple years, it was basically stripped down to a frame from fans just coming and 
claiming parts of the DeLorean for their personal collection, which I have to admit, if it's something at the time that I thought I could get away with, I might consider doing. I would but totally when you kind do of st- it. <laughs> but, when, okay, I'd, I'd definitely do it. But <laughs> it, it, it's just a real shame that something that, that so many people worked so hard to create just was relegated to that status where it was basically treated like garbage and picked over by vultures, which I guess, you know, as we both admitted to being potential vultures, given the opportunity. But fortunately, at some point, they realized what a real piece of cinema history they had on their hands. So it was restored and uh, was given a real kind of place of prominence on display by the Back to the Future ride. And it really has been elevated ever since then and and given the, the attention and just kind of the recognition that it deserves. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 the most iconic vehicle of all time for any movie car, and and you and you could say Batmobile, you could say the Aston Martin, you could say Kit Knight Rider, you could say the Jurassic Park Jeep, you could say Herbie the Bug. There are a lot of iconic uh, cars when you think of of movie cars, but I think that the DeLorean is head and shoulders. If there if there was a March Madness bracket, I think the DeLorean would win. Uh, about nine times out of ten, and uh, once again, I, I know I keep harping on it, but my my visit to the DeLorean Motor Company was so awesome. If you hadn't checked out the video, uh, we'll, we'll put a link maybe in the show notes where you can go check it out. Or if you just search Brad Gilmore DeLorean, I'm sure it'll come up on YouTube. Uh, it was just an awesome experience, so I can't thank Stephen Wynn enough, and I can't thank you enough, Norm, for being my partner in crime here on Back to the Future of the Podcast. We're going to be back next week with a brand new episode. We're going to start breaking down the Back to the Future comic book series. Hopefully we're going to have Cassine Gaines on the show to talk about Old Biff. And of course, it'll be coming sooner than later, coming here in the future, the full breakdown of Back to the Future Part 3 here on Season 3 of Back to the Future, the podcast. I'm Brad Gilmore. You can follow me at Brad Gilmore on Twitter. He is Norman Benford. Norm, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NormanB258. Uh, check us out, our Facebook page, Back to the Future Podcast. Uh, we love to hear from the pinheads, and we will be back next week with more Adventures in Time. All right, until then, I'm Brad Gilmore. He's Norman Benford. We are your friends in time, and we will see you in the future. The Brad Gilmore Show On Demand is meant for entertainment purposes only. It does not mean to infringe on any copyrights of Back to the Future, its characters, its audio clips, or its music. Hope to see you again in the future.